Is it time to make a change to how you're running your music teaching business? What's holding you back from making that change? And what's compelling you to act? Let's get to the heart of the change with our conversation today on the Music Teachers Expand Online podcast. Hi, I'm Jamie Slutsky, and this is episode 251 of the Music Teachers Expand Online podcast. This podcast is dedicated to showing you how to create impact and income online as an independent music teacher. Super quick, this episode of the Music Teachers Expand Online podcast is brought to you by Elevate, the online marketing course for music teachers. Elevate is a course that provides a one-two punch for marketing your music lessons or courses, workshops, or whatever else you are doing, marketing them online. Check it out using the link in the show notes. Now, let's get to it. Change is inevitable. Change is good. And change will help you stand out from other music teachers who are staying stagnant or going back to the old way. Okay, I know that's technically a change, but you know, that's the tried and true. So let me just bring it to you this way. Change is only one letter different from chance. Because every time we make a change, we are taking a chance that the pivot or change will work. There is no guarantee that the change is going to work as expected, bring in the volume of new students that we expect, or ease your schedule or whatever it is that you are doing this change to accomplish. Without taking a chance, we will never know. Unless you started your teaching business during COVID, I will bet that you had to make some drastic changes over the past two and a half years. I alluded to this before. If you are gone back to in-person, face-to-face lessons, you went back because you didn't do that during the height of the pandemic. Those changes that you made to your business were required in order to keep going and they were probably uncomfortable. There was some uncertainty and you took a chance. Therefore, I know you have it in you to make more changes and take more chances. I'm not asking you to change everything overnight, not by any means. There are three areas of change that I do want to talk about. The first is your offerings. The second is your back office. And the third one is your availability. Let's start with what you offer. Over 90% of my listeners offer some kind of private lessons. These could be one-on-one, they could be group, but there is some level of real-time instruction. It could be online, it could be in person, or it could be some kind of hybrid approach where you're working with students sometimes in person, sometimes online, sometimes both at the same time if it's a small group. Private lessons can often lead to stagnation, or burnout, or both. Is that what you're feeling? Is that what is motivating you to look at changing things up? Have you not branched away from private lessons out of fear that it will dilute your value or reduce your income? Are you concerned about marketing a new offer and that it won't get the desired results? But you also know that you can't keep on with the private lessons indefinitely and that you have impact and income goals that are not truly being met with this one avenue. 
This is why we want to talk about changing our offers. Adding an offer, switching our offers up, it doesn't really matter exactly what it looks like at this point. We want to get over the hurdle and the fear of making the change. Once we say yes to making the change, then we open up a whole other set of questions. Do you tread lightly or do you do a massive overhaul? Do you throw caution to the wind or do you want to hedge your bets to improve the chances that the change will help to restructure your offers in a slower, more incremental way? There are a lot of ways to make a change and a lot of them are analytical, but the ones that stick are the ones that we feel in our body. Where are you feeling the ache and the desire? Is it in your head? Is it in your shoulders? Is it in your chest? Is it in your belly? Those tell us different things. I can tell you that I carry all of my stress in my shoulders. So when my shoulders are talking to me, I listen. I say, okay, that was too much. I need to change the way I do this. Because when I feel it in my shoulders, I can't relax. And so I have to find a way to relax my shoulders, to roll them down and back, and to breathe into the change that's going to keep them down and back rather than hunched and tense. Sometimes when I feel an ache or a desire in my chest, I know that I need to give that idea space and that I am not ready to make any decisions on it. It's that restricting, that constricting feeling that I feel inside of my chest that once I feel it, it kind of dissipates on its own and I don't actually have to act on it. I just have to let it sit. And this is for me. It may be completely different for you. When I feel the ache or the desire in my belly, I know that it needs to happen and that I can start taking action right away. So it's like my shoulders, but my shoulders are a stress point. Those are something that I need to do to alleviate and changing the way that I present or deliver an offer. Whereas when I feel it in my belly, it's usually something brand new. And then there's my head. When I feel the ache or desire in my head, I have to press pause and wait to see where else I feel it. Because for me, being the analytical person that I am, I know that if the rest of my body isn't into the change, it's best not to go through with it. My brain runs miles ahead of the rest of my body. And if I listen to everything that I thought might be a good idea, especially with regards to offers, the rest of my body is going to tell me what I actually feel about it. If I feel it in my shoulders, if I feel it in my belly, if I feel it in my chest, I have to listen. I have to listen to my body. And so do you. So think back to some of the changes that you have made in your music teaching business. Where did you push past uncomfortable? And where did you hit the brakes? Where did you feel the ache? Where did you feel the desire? What motivates you to push forward? Changing our offers can feel very, very scary. And sometimes it's just easier to add and to diversify than it is to contract and simplify. But sometimes it's better to do one versus the other. Both strategies will work. 
for growing your income and your impact. And we need to get to know and understand what is motivating our desire to change things. Let it speak to you. Let it speak loudly. What are the frustrations that keep coming up with your offers, with the price point on your offers, with the deliverability of your offers, with the scheduling of your offers, with the number of non-income generating hours? Listen and let those things dictate how you are making changes. Now, when it comes to making changes to our back office, I'm pretty cut and dry. I like to see tech do all that it can and leave as many manual processes outside of the business. There is no need to manually enroll a student if a technology system can be put in place for that student to enroll themselves. That's the idea. That's what I'm talking about here. When we bring on a new piece of technology or a software, know what the problem is that it is solving and why you want to bring it on. I know I've said this on the podcast before. If that piece of software can replace any other pieces of software that you are using in your studio, do it at the same time. Don't bring on something that adds redundancy and overcomplicates things. Here's an example of that. I use Stripe for 90% of my payment processing. I use Thrivecart on top of Stripe for OMCA and Elevate. And when I do one-off bespoke projects, I was using QuickBooks because that's what my bookkeeper uses to keep my books in order. I realized that I don't like sending invoices from QuickBooks. I'd rather send them directly from Stripe. So I no longer send invoices through QuickBooks. I went and simplified my processes and I said all of my income is going to come through either Stripe directly or come through Thrivecart on top of Stripe. That simplified things so much for me. And it also leads to not hoarding software that is not serving us. When we have something in our back office that is just kind of sitting there doing one small thing, it's not really serving you. Don't use it just because it's already there. Use the right tool for the job. I can't tell you the number of software tools that I've tried and discarded from my regular use because either they weren't the right product, they weren't streamlined enough, or they didn't move my business forward in a way that I wanted or needed. There is a time a few years ago where I bought a lifetime license for an all-in-one software that I thought was going to be really, really powerful. It was somewhere between one and $2,000, I believe. And I tried, I tried so hard to embrace it, to say, okay, this is it. This is where I'm going to put my stake in the ground. No, uh-uh. I have put my stake in the ground with Thinkific, which is not an all-in-one. It is a best-in-class. So when I really couldn't go all-in on it, I put that software on the back of the virtual shelf. And I brought Thinkific forward. I said, Thinkific is where I am saying yes to. I put the useful stuff where it needs to be. I have no intention of going back to that tool. I know I made the right choice because I don't miss it, because it's not pulling me. 
I did take a chance on something, but it didn't provide the change or growth that I was looking for. And you know me, I love to talk about tech. I love to talk about tech stacks and making this as simple as possible for you. I don't believe you need to have all the platforms. If you want to talk about the back office tools that you're using, send me a DM over on Instagram. I'm at Jamie Slutsky, and we will find a time to connect. Now, let's talk about the third place that we might make a change, and that is our availability. This one is big. Some teachers are adding huge opportunities for students to be able to access them more using online communities or creating ways for students to get feedback in an asynchronous or live manner outside of lessons. And there are also teachers who are pulling back and not being available on hashtag all the platforms, (laughs) meaning that students can connect via email, but not text or WhatsApp or social media or whatever platform you desire to have your student communication That's the one place. If you're using Musi, maybe the only way that your students communicate with you is through the portal so that everything is logged in there and that they don't communicate with you through email or social media or whatever it might be. If you are using a Facebook group to have your students communicate with you, maybe you say it has to be in the group and it can't be in DMs. So creating boundaries, making it so that you structure the conversation. You structure how, where, and when students communicate and connect with you. Making a change the way that the students interact is going to be creating new habits for both you and your student. And you're the only one who's going to be able to stick with them. Put your availability and expectations into your policies and explain what happens if your policies are not followed. I actually have it in one of my contracts from a number of years ago that communication was via the project management tool only and not through any other platform or means. So if somebody contacted me through email or Facebook Messenger, there was no guarantee of response. I would see it possibly and I would post in the project management tool something like, oh, I saw an email come from you. Please ask your question here. Because email is not my to-do list, it is not the first place I go to to look for questions from clients. My clients get a better experience from me when they connect with me through the channels that I have put forward. Some teachers are going to say, nope, I am not communicating with my students at all outside of lessons or whatever the designated learning time is, while others are going to make themselves available to students in every imaginable way. Find your happy medium and stick to it to the best of your abilities. You can always change your availability. It is taking a chance because there has to be adoption by your students as well as yourself. You have to say, I'm not going to let this slip. I'm not going to just respond to this one email because it's here. You have to be strict. To recap, change is good and change is inevitable. When we take a chance and change something in the way that we provide our services, run our back office, and streamline our availability, we are stepping further into the business owner role and away from the independent teacher. This is how you build a business that you love and are excited to go all in on every single day.
As I always say, take action today. You've just spent time listening to this podcast. What are you going to change? Are you going to start listening to your body? Are you going to ask yourself what needs improvement? What needs modification? What needs to be discarded so that you can step further in to being the owner of your business and have the impact and generate the income that you desire from your music teaching. Now, if you want to make money teaching music online and you want something that can be easily implemented, then download my free guide now so that you can create a new online income stream in the next couple of weeks. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes that will take you to expandonlinenow.com. And with that, take action. I will be back with episode 252 next week.